Incredible insight from a report in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel on the future of Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, and a lot more. Plus, we heard from Packers coaches. What insight did they offer that could provide some hints toward what the Packers are thinking in the NFL draft? You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Touchdown! You are locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. I want to get to a couple different things here today. We're going to talk about defensive linemen, offensive tackle, what the coaches that we heard from yesterday had to say about where this roster stands with those guys and and what it could tell us about the upcoming NFL draft. But I want to start with a piece from Tom Silverstein in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel about Jordan Love and expectations of Jordan Love the future of Aaron Rodgers, and there's some really interesting stuff in there. Let's start with what is being aggregated out of it, and that is that Aaron Rodgers is not going to attend any of the optional work at minicamps and over the spring. That's not a big surprise. He didn't come last year. He didn't go to the year before. Jordan Love is going to be the quarterback of record for the Packers in the interim, and that has some repercussions for the regular season. Last year, I don't think it made a big difference. Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Randall Cobb, all that stuff. Not a big deal. You know those guys. They didn't know at that time Randall Cobb was going to be on the team yet, but Aaron had to have a clue that that might be happening and that when he got to training camp, they could just hit the ground running. Well, that's not the case anymore irrespective of whether it's a veteran, whether it's a draft pick, or you you get a trade or something at receiver, it would be nice to get some more reps in. Now, he's going to be at the mandatory camp days in, in the spring, and of course, they'll have training camp. He's probably not going to take a lot of preseason reps, if any, so those will go to, go to Jordan Love. Well, it's really hard to build chemistry with receivers if you're not there. It's really hard if you're not the one throwing the ball to those receivers. And this is a quarterback who is notorious for not trusting rookies. The Packers, regardless of what happens with the trade market or free agency, are going to be relying on rookie pass catchers, probably plural, to make their passing game go in 2022. It hurts the team for Rodgers not To be there. Now, if you're Rodgers, you're going, look, the best thing for the team is for me to make sure my body and my mind are right for the season. Okay. And if that's, if you think that you can get up to speed, if you are willing to trust and throw to those guys, and that is going in, what you understand is going to have to be the deal. Fine. No problem. I, I trust Aaron to believe that that is true. And, and if he believes that that's true, then You've got to live it. 
And that's, that's his responsibility. This is his responsibility to make work if he's not going to be there for parts of the offseason that would be beneficial to the team. The other Aaron Rodgers part of this is in, this, in the discussion around the trade value for Jordan Love is this idea that Aaron Rodgers, the way his contract is structured, they're renting month to month with Aaron Rodgers. And Mark Murphy said in an interview this week, it's going to be a year to year thing. In a year, if Rodgers decides he wants to retire or he wants out, that seems less likely, but if he decides he wants to retire, they can accelerate some money, they can spread the cap hit out, and if they need to, they can do it that way or they can wait until June, what they did with Drew Brees in New Orleans, and you spread that money out over a number of years. They'll probably turn some money into bonus regardless and then approach it that way. In a year, two years, the way that Spoon phrased it, it's a year, potentially two years, and then maybe a third. Maybe that that seemed less likely that this is going to be one or two years. This is your window this year, next year, maybe the year after, and you go from there. Well, that means if Rodgers is playing in two years, that means Jordan Love is on his fifth year option if that is in fact the way that the Packers want to go. And so what this was all leading to and the point of the article was, well, what are the internal expectations of Jordan Love? A couple key key points in there. The article lays out that the team is happy with his development. They were very pleased with the way that he looked last spring. He looked to be at his best in the OTAs when Rodgers was not there. And then when Rodgers was in the building and training camp, he was not the same sort of vocal leader, not the same sort of, didn't didn't play with the same sort of command and the same sort of confidence on the field that the team wanted to see. That doesn't make sense to me. And it's not that, what happened, it doesn't make sense. Of course, what happened makes sense. The team being concerned about that doesn't make sense to me because you're talking about a player who is in was in the midst of throwing an epic hissy fit and you're wondering why Jordan Love came in with all the reps and is going, this is great, I'm, I'm loving this. And then when... The aggrieved quarterback, the guy who made it clear he was not thrilled about the Jordan Love pick. It's not about Jordan the person, but it's about what the pick represents. And he's pissed off at the organization. He comes back and Jordan Love is deferential to that guy? That concerned you? That a young player would be deferential to a soon-to-be two-time Hall of Fame quarterback, future two-time MVP quarterback, future Hall of Famer, all-time great Green Bay Packer, and, and the QB1 of your team? That was weird to you? I don't, I don't know how much that is, is I don't want to say true, but I think when I read that from team sources, my first thought is, this is about sending a message to Jordan Love. Go own it. 
go show the team that you can lead this team. Aaron is not going to be at that spring camp. He's not going to play in these preseason games. And so the next step for you is while you're getting all of these reps to own it, to play with that command, to go into the huddle and own it. It's about intentionality. It's about confidence. It's about swagger. And Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, clearly different people, but Aaron Rodgers showed up in Green Bay like, who is this guy, Brett Favre? I'm the best quarterback on this team. And if you read Jeff Perlman's book, he was a dick. Aaron Rodgers was. He did not treat Brett Favre with respect. And that lack of respect ran both ways. Now, Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers seem to have a much different relationship. And maybe part of that for Rodgers is that Jordan Love treats Rodgers much differently than Rodgers treated Favre as hypocritical as that might be. If you're the Packers, what you want to see is Jordan Love saying, this is my team now, old man. <laughs> no, he doesn't have to be that ostentatious about it. He doesn't have to be uh, that arrogant about it. They want him to own it. Say, okay, this is, this is my team. And I think coming in with young receivers is actually a benefit to him because he's going to get those reps. He's going to get the chance to say, I'm going to build this rapport with Chris Olave or Traylon Burks or Jalen Tolbert or George Pickens or Christian Watson or whomever. And I think that's going to matter to Green Bay too. You draft one of these guys and you're trying to decide, is Jordan Love the future of this team? Well, how he meshes with the potential future number one receiver on your team probably also plays into all of this as well. The last thing here is... Silverstein said that the Packers are looking for a second round pick for Jordan Love. If there's a trade, if some team wants to give them picks. And I know that there are going to be some people that go, oh, well, why aren't, why aren't teams offering that? Well, because Jordan Love has played one and a half games in his NFL career. He's played two preseason games. And he's really been an NFL player for one and a half seasons because his first year was a COVID shortened season. No preseason, no offseason work in person. And... Because of the way that that the, the practice reps went, he didn't get any really practice reps with the first team um, or even the second team his first year. You look at Jimmy Garoppolo went for a second. He was in his third season going into his fourth season. Same with Matt Schaub. Carson Wentz has been a starter his whole career. He got a big contract. We have more tape on him and the risk is different. Jordan Love is in this in-between where he's not this, we have no idea what he is, intriguing draft talent, who certainly I think a lot of teams would have used second round picks on. But now, third season, this is when he's got to either create that value for the Packers or create that value in a trade moving forward. I don't, I don't think at this point, unless a team is going to blow them away this offseason, I think then it's just, you got to ride it out. And either you're going to give him the fifth year option and he's going to be your guy or it's over. And so we're going to know very soon about all of that. We're going to look forward to the draft and some of the positions that we have not hit on because we heard from the coaches from the Packers about what they could be looking for in the draft in now just a, just a couple weeks. But before we do that, 
Today's episode is brought to you by Shady Rays. I wore my Shady Rays today. In fact, I did not mean for that to rhyme, but it did, in fact, rhyme. And I am the kind of person that does not like to spend a lot of money on sunglasses because I lose them, I break them, I have a toddler, he has already broken a pair of my sunglasses um, just in the last three months. And so I like to get value. I want to spend a little and make it look like I spent a lot. And Shady Rays is the perfect blend of all of of that. They're going to give you something that looks like $200 glasses. And and mine do. Polarized lenses, durable frames, premium high-end finishes. And they also have something that you're just not going to find from other places. They have a protection program where Shady Rays will include lost and broken protection on every pair. They'll send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happened. Give it a try. And if you don't love them, you'll pay nothing. Simple as that. Plus, this is something that you can get behind. 10 meals are donated to Fight Hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays exclusively for our listeners. Head to ShadyRays.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code LOCKEDON for the best deal of the season. 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Ray sunglasses backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. We've got a huge announcement starting Thursday, April 28th. Tune into Locked On NFL Draft's live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft with three days of real-time analysis from our extensive lineup of experts and insiders, including your boy. I'm going to be hosting the live shows. So go watch on our YouTube page, Locked On NFL Draft there. Um, And we're also doing an Odyssey Mock Draft on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast feeds. Check that out. And we've got uh, this this slew of of spots that go with our mock drafts. I, I explained to you why I made the picks that I made, et cetera, et cetera. That is starting in just a week, April 18th. So let's talk about offensive tackle. We heard from Adam Stenovich, the former offensive line coach said the Billy Turner Yash Nijman decision was his but that the the coaching staff was was unified in that they wanted to go with some experience there it was a, a decision i questioned at the time and continue to question but i appreciate the new offensive coordinator owning it he also said that Yash Nijman is going to have a chance to start this season either on the left side or the right side at tackle does that tell us something about where they think Elton Jenkins is going to play? I think Yash Nijman at right tackle with Elton Jenkins at left guard is fine. I think it also allows you to play and give John Runyon Jr. a chance to compete with Royce Newman for that right guard spot. But if you're keeping Elton Jenkins at left guard, you probably need to draft a tackle. So the the quote from Stenovich is they feel like they need another tackle or two to solidify that spot. Now, does that mean a veteran and a mid-round pick? Maybe. But they're going to tell us a lot about where these guys are going to play by how this draft plays out. If they use a tackle, or if they use a high pick on a tackle, a top 50 pick, 2022 or 22 or 28, 53 or 59, on a tackle, chances are they want that guy to come in and compete with Yash Nijman at right tackle. Elton Jenkins is going to stay at left guard. And then you're going to have John Runyon Jr. and Rice Newman, as I said, compete for that right guard spot. If we don't see them take a tackle in the top 100, 
my assumption is going to be that Elton Jenkins is the tackle and they looked, they got an offensive lineman on day three and they're good with Jake Hansen and the other interior guys that they have on this team. That makes the most sense to me, but I do think it, it is smart. And over the last few years, they have effectively found veteran tackles late in the process. You go back, Jared Valdir, uh, Rick Wagner, and Dennis Kelly over the last three seasons. Brian Gutekinds has been outstanding, and all of them, coincidentally, have had to play in the playoffs. Jared Valdir had to play when Brian Belaga was a late scratch against Seattle. You needed Billy Turner to play out of position in the playoffs last two years ago with David Bakhtiari out, and you needed him to play out of position last year, this just a couple months ago, with David Bakhtiari out. So there is apparently no concern about David Bakhtiari long-term. They feel like he's going to be the guy for a couple more years, that he's going to play on this contract. Okay, great. That's really good. You've got Elton Jenkins. That's solidified. You, you, Josh Myers, they feel good about Josh Myers. Okay, so that's solidified. But you did lose some things on the interior. You lose Lucas Patrick. That's a that's a big blow, a veteran interior offensive lineman. They now don't have that sort of guard center versatility. And then if your swing tackle is going to compete to start, now you don't have a swing tackle and you don't have the veteran. So how do they move forward that way? Now, I have been saying all along, Billy Turner being cut and saving just a couple million dollars versus what he would have made on the team as a right tackle that you know is good signaled to me Elton Jenkins is going to be your right tackle. The Packers have said they're going to put their best five on the field. And I believe them when they say that. The question is, where do you maximize the value for someone like Elton Jenkins? I think the prudent course of action for them is to let the draft come to them. And if they find a tackle that they really like and, and he falls, draft him. And worst case scenario, he competes to play guard like Royce Newman did. Or like a lot of Packers guards over the years, you draft a tackle who ends up, you want him to play guard. Someone like Sean Ryan at UCLA is a great example. I think he's he has the potential to be a very good guard in the NFL. But you could try him a tackle if you wanted first. Elijah Vera Tucker, who the Jets drafted last year from USC, was someone that I know a lot of Packer fans were interested in. He was a tackle at, at SC, also played guard. Guard was ended up being his best position. This is something the Packers do all the time. There are certain tackles in this class I don't think can necessarily play guard. The, the league has gone faster, but you still need to have a certain baseline strength requirement to play inside against guys like Kenny Clark, who are still big dudes despite the Aaron Donald archetype. I think being more and more the norm where you want penetrating, um, uh, productive pressure guys on the interior. More on that coming up a little bit later. For the Packers, they have these options. Oh, a guard fell in the fourth round that we had a second round grade on. Bang. You just always want to take offensive linemen. You always want to take offensive linemen. So if you find some value there, great. You can never have too many quality offensive linemen. And then you just let it sort itself out. Find the guys who are going to be the best at their positions. You're, but, but you're probably not going to find a tackle better than Elton Jenkins. That's the thing. And... I just find it hard to believe that you feel like your guards are so bad that you need to leave Elton Jenkins at guard and and let Yash Nijman play tackle. If that's the case, draft a guard. Go get one because 
Alan Jenkins last year looked like a top 10 offensive tackle. If that's what you have in Elton Jenkins, he's got to play tackle. He's just got to play tackle. So they have some options here. And I'm having a hard time. I'm trying to put together one of the projects that I have is trying to put together the sort of optimal range of outcomes for the Packers. Where they should be targeting certain positions. Again, we've talked about this through the context of like a fantasy draft. And I'm having trouble slotting an offensive tackle. I think it's just, it's more about just like letting everything come to you. And that's one of those spots outside of receiver. I don't think there's any position where you go have to get that guy in this spot. There are, there are historically places in the drafts where you can find the best value, where you're most likely to hit, but I don't think the Packers need to press anything. I don't think they need to push or rush or press. It's, it's all about finding that value and getting the guys at the spots that you want in the the value ranges that you want them. All right, more on that in just a second. But before we get there, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And if you haven't tried the puffs, you are missing out. In fact, as soon as I'm done explaining this to you, I need to go buy some more because I'm I'm actually out. It's, it's the worst. I'm out of Built Bars. That's the only thing about Bilt Bars is eventually you run out of them and you have to order more. They are delicious and they are great for you. Packed with protein, fiber, but low in net carbs, low in sugar. And it is like a treat that you can feel really, really good about with delicious flavors in the puff and the regular. Um, they, they also have, have had these, these crisp flavors, crunch flavors, where you've got different different centers. They, they cycle through and they just, they keep finding ways to come up with interesting things to put in these. I, I don't understand how they do it, but they taste amazing and are good for you. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen, Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. All right, lastly here, uh, Jerry Montgomery, the Packers defensive line coach, talked about wanting to find a third down interior pass rusher. Someone who can create some pressure, who's got a little bit more twitch than the guys that they have. TJ Slayton is a a body mover, and he can give you some pass rush with pocket pressure and a little bit of first step explosiveness. But he's not he's not quick shoot a gap and and get in the backfield. Um, Dean Lowry not that either. Kenny Clark not really that. But you feel really good about Kenny Clark being out on the field on third and ten in a pass rush package. They want another guy. They don't want to have to put three edge guys out there. Now, we also heard from the Packers' new outside linebackers coach that they want to go four deep. They're only really two and a half deep, Jonathan Garvin, so they need to add at least one more edge. I think they're going to do that in the top 100. That's a near lock. There's also some interesting guys, guys like Logan Hall from Houston, who could do a little bit of both. Some people think he's an edge. Some people think he's an interior rusher. Well, what if he's a big edge who can reduce down and play inside on passing downs. What about someone like DeMarvin Leal, who I really like, who I think fits the profile of someone the Packers would like. He can play on the edge, big, 
but can also reduce down and penetrate inside. I actually think he's a better pass rusher on the edge, but still he's got that first step explosiveness that you want. So does Logan Hall to get into the backfield. So does Perrion Winfrey. Now, where do you find that? And so, by the way, so does Travis Jones, my guy. He's not a small, you know, little jitterbug defensive tackle who's 280 and is just going to shoot a gap and get in the backfield, but he can push the pocket. He can also win. He's got great explosiveness, especially for someone at 325 to get into the backfield and just bench press a guard into the lap of the quarterback. If you have Kenny Clark and, and Travis Jones in there, you're just you're just eating up dudes. And he played on third down. Unlike someone like Jordan Davis, he played on third down for UConn, played on third and eight, third and 10, third and 12, because he can go get after quarterbacks. Luckily for the Packers, there is a deep group of guys in this class who can do that. I think there are also some edge players, guys like Alex Wright, who they just had in for a visit from UAB, who is, you know, 6'5", 270. That's Zadarius Smith kind of size, that Rashawn Gary kind of size, where, all right, hand in the dirt on third down with Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary on the outside and go hunt. A lot of different ways that you can deploy those kinds of players. Now, you draft someone like Nick Benito at 6'3", 250, Soaking wet, he's not going to be able to do that. I really like Nick Benito. I think Nick Benito at 53 or 59 is is great value. And I think he would be a, a really fun player for this defense. Someone who can play a little bit off the ball. Someone who can blitz, who can come off the edge. He's got incredible athletic traits. That's a fun one. I think these are these are two these are two ideas that have to work in tandem on the edge and along the interior because you could find an edge who can play in in the interior. There are guys in this class and there are there are interior defensive linemen who could be who could who could play five technique who could be on the edge and give you a little bit of pass rush that way too in more base down scenarios. So that's a really interesting thing. Do they view those as two different things? Or are they trying to ID a player who can do both? Or could they use Rashawn Gary more like Zadarius Smith? Where now he's playing head up on a guard. Or he's playing and just like, okay, you're you're 6'4", 270. It's third and nine. You're going to play one tech and just beat the crap out of the center. That's a fun thing too. The ascent for Rashawn Gary can continue if you're able to move him around and use him in different kinds of ways. And I thought it was interesting today hearing the coach talk about it, that the thing that he needs to now figure out is, all right, now that teams know he's really good, he's made that physical leap. Now it's that mental leap. Okay, how do you beat double teams? How do you beat chips? How do you anticipate when you're going to see those things and where are the counters coming from? That's the next step for him. So um, I, I think that's something to be really excited about. Receiver remains the, the top priority. Edge is on that list. But then how do you slot in offensive tackle? How do you slot in this penetrating defensive lineman? Could you just say, okay, day three, find some athletic defensive lineman types and throw a couple picks at it. I mean, that's what Kingsley Kiki was. That's what Dean Lowry was. That's what TJ Slayton was. This is where the Packers, at least under Brian Gutekind, slightly feel like they can find value. Okay, so go find some. Go find some. Because I think you want to get of your top 100 picks, you'd probably like to get two receivers unless you're going to unless you're going to trade for one or unless you feel like okay, I'm going to you know, get one and then Will Fuller is going to come or Julio Jones is going to come or something like that. 
unless you have that worked out or Tyler Lockett, you, you know, from Seattle, Tyler Lockett is going to be made available after June. And you feel like you, that's something that you can do or will do. I think you got to get two receivers in the top hundred. And then that is, is limiting you then. Now you still have three picks, which is a lot, but then where do you go? Edge tackle safety interior defensive line. Didn't you, didn't you just sign your Reed? This goes back to our point yesterday, though. Kingsley Kiki play, was playing a lot of snaps, 50, 60% of snaps last year. They need someone who can do that. So just, just something to flag here as we move forward. All right, we're going to have a lot more coming this week. Um, I think we're going to get one more interview in this week um, to talk about impressions of the coaches, uh, the new ones especially, uh, and and in particular, Rich Passaccia, who I apologized on Twitter to because I, I kept thinking his name was Rick, and I had to remind myself on, on Lockdown Today and on Lockdown Packers that his name is Rich Bisaccia. I thought it was Rick Passaccia for a little while. And that tells you special teams coaches, it's a thankless job. The only reason anyone knows your name as a special teams coach is if your special teams sucks, usually, usually, or it's really good and everyone, or you've got a great nickname like, like uh, Bones Fossil, like, come on, that's pretty great. That's the only reason everyone knows his name is because it's Bones and because Fossil has a lineage in the NFL, et cetera. We don't have to go down that rabbit hole. So a lot more coming this week, even more coming next week. Mike Renner from PFF is, is going to be on. Did people see? Good morning football yesterday. Locked on Packers. Longtime friend of the podcast, Trevor Sycamore on Good Morning Football. Shout out to, to Trevor. Shout out to the crew at Good Morning Football. And uh, you know, a lot more fun stuff. This is the draft. This is this is great. This is I'm I'm enjoying myself immensely. So thank you for being here and once again letting me do this. This is this is a dream. Uh follow me on Twitter, please. Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Subscribe to the Elite.